When I became a follower of Jesus at age 17, I quickly realized that, that my life of faith was going to head me in a brand new direction. I was going to need to learn some new values and, and embrace some new ways of thinking about my life and my relationships. If I truly wanted to follow Jesus, I would need to learn to understand his priorities and make them my own. And I realized that this was not going to be easy because there are many forces in this world that would try to undermine my faith in Jesus and lead me away from him. And it's a sad fact that the values of our culture and the values of the kingdom of God are not the same. And this means that Christians can be vulnerable. We can be vulnerable to temptations that result in poor choices that lead us away from Jesus. We can be vulnerable to false teaching that claims to represent God but undermines our faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe that this is what Jesus has in mind as he begins to wrap up his Sermon on the Mount. He's taught his listeners what it means to live by the values of the kingdom of God. And now he begins to talk about the challenges of following through. He knows that believers can be spiritually vulnerable, so he reminds his followers, you must be vigilant. They need to be intentional about taking steps to spiritually protect themselves. They must learn to practice discernment so they can make godly choices. And in the passage that we'll explore this morning, Jesus zeroes in on two specific ways that believers can do just that. Learn how to practice discernment. So let's see what we can learn from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and I think it would be good to refresh our memories about the setting for these comments by Jesus. Jesus has gone up onto a mountainside to preach, and there is a multitude of men and women who have followed him. And these people are willing to invest the time. They're willing to interrupt their schedules and their plans. They're willing to be inconvenienced in order to learn more about God and the life of faith. And so Jesus teaches this crowd about righteousness, about how to be in a right relationship with God and with others. And it's different from the way they've been taught. The Pharisees and the other teachers of that day promoted the wrong way to be righteous. If you adopted their values, then you could be full of moral rot. But as long as you went through the right external motions, as long as you followed the right religious rules, then you were considered righteous. And in his sermon, Jesus explained that what God values is radically different. Our God values righteousness that results in a changed mind and a changed heart and changed relationships and a changed society. And throughout his sermon, Jesus has spelled out in some detail what that actually looks like. 
he's explained how the lives of his followers should be different. And we've spent several weeks exploring this together. And now in the passage I just read, Jesus begins to wrap up his sermon by offering some words of warning. If people want to follow him, they must be aware of the direction in which their lives are headed. And there's only two options. There is a narrow road that leads to life and a broad road that leads to destruction. Jesus is drawing a sharp contrast between the ways of our world and the ways of God's kingdom. And he wants his followers to practice discernment so that we can tell the difference. Now, I'm using the word discernment to describe what Jesus is saying, and I'm doing so intentionally because discernment involves far more than just paying attention. I view discernment as our spiritual radar and sonar. And we're discerning when we don't rely solely on our own thinking. Instead, we ask God to give us wisdom and insight. We ask God to teach us. We ask God to help us look beneath the surface to understand what's taking place with the people and events around us so that we can respond with faith rather than with fear. And every Christian in every age must learn to be discerning so we do not simply and blindly follow our culture because every culture offers so many options that undermine the the, the life of faith and lead people away from God. And I believe Jesus is telling us here very succinctly that following the broad road of our culture, following the values of our culture, can lead to moral and spiritual death and destruction. But following the narrow road, following the values of the kingdom of God, will lead to moral and spiritual life and health. And which road we choose to follow has significant consequences both for this life and for the life to come. Every person, whether they know it or not, is on one of these two roads. And each road leads in a particular direction. So what direction are you heading? What direction am I heading? As we choose where to invest our time and our talent and our energy, as we decide how to work and how to recreate, as we make decisions with moral implications, are the choices we make informed by the direction in which we want to head? Are we asking God to give us discernment? Discernment so that we will consistently walk down the road that gives us life. And in the current moral and social and political climate of our culture, followers of Jesus must be discerning and not simply react with emotion. We desperately need discernment because the narrow road that leads to life may not always be the most obvious or the most easy way. And this becomes even more clear when we take a look at the original Greek text of the Bible. That word translated narrow in the passage implies pressure and affliction and even harassment. It describes a person who is committed to finding a narrow road even when others are trying to to block the way. 
to get a clear picture of this, let's, let's imagine a scene that we've actually all seen scores of times. A politician has done or said something really stupid, and the press is on the hunt. And we see this news clip of the politician arriving in front of his office or, or one of the Capitol buildings. <clears throat> and as he gets out of his car or her, as she gets out of her car, suddenly the reporters all press in. And there's a mob scene there of reporters shouting questions and you know, pictures being snapped. And the aides get out of the car and start to push through the crowd. They're trying to carve out a way for their boss to get through. And they make a narrow path through that crowd to get that politician to the desired objective. It's forging a narrow path against resistance. And there's times in life when that's exactly what it's like to be a disciple. Not because we've done something wrong or something stupid, but simply because we desire to follow Jesus. And we have to make sometimes a narrow road through our crowded culture which resists us. It's a culture of confusing and contradictory voices. It's a culture that does not celebrate the life of faith. And this culture around us clamors for our attention. And in the midst of this, how do we find the narrow road? Well, if we're committed to following Jesus, then the way can become clear. It becomes clear because Jesus has explained for us the values of the kingdom of God. He's given them to us here in the Sermon on the Mount. And they're amplified in great detail throughout the rest of the Bible. We just need to practice some discernment so that we will not blindly follow the wide road of our culture. And we will not allow those who press in to block our way or push us off this narrow road as we strive to walk with Jesus. Now, I wonder how that, that phrase, the narrow road, hits you. I find that some people hear that, that phrase, narrow road, and they think of a burdensome and joyless life. They picture a life where you have to follow a, a burdensome set of rigid, rigid religious rules. And yet we need to realize that's exactly what Jesus has been preaching against. He's not promoting a joyless life. He's promoting an abundant life. And the purpose of the narrow road is not to rob us of joy. The purpose of the narrow road is to protect us from our own worst impulses. And the great deceit of our culture is that somehow the wide, broad road of this world has more to offer. And in reality, following our culture only leads to greater heartache and pain. And the narrow road that Jesus talks about here, that's the road of life. And it's the road that we walk together with Jesus. We need some discernment to ensure that our lives are headed in the right direction. Headed toward life. But this is not our only area of spiritual vulnerability. And so as Jesus continues on, he shifts his focus to highlight another area where you and I must learn to practice some discernment. Let's continue on in verse 15. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Jesus is talking about false prophets and And what is a prophet? A prophet is a man or woman who speaks words from God on behalf of God to the people of God. We see prophecy occur throughout the Bible, and its purpose is to strengthen the community of faith and keep people traveling the narrow road of life. And being a prophet was a pretty unusual role. You didn't interview for the job. God just appointed you and gave you a message to speak. And if you thought that God had called you to be a prophet, you needed to be very clear that it was God who, in fact, was speaking to you. And if you were listening to someone who claimed to be a prophet, you needed to practice some discernment so you would know whether or not they were speaking God's truth. And the words of a prophet always can be tested because whatever he or she proclaims must line up with what we know about God as revealed in the Bible. Unfortunately, there are false prophets in this world. There are people who misrepresent God and misrepresent his truth. That's why Jesus warns his followers. He wants them to be discerning so they will not be misled. And we need to understand that this warning applies to more than just those who might claim to be prophets because all kinds of people have roles where they represent God. I'm I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet. Yet every Sunday I stand here and talk about the Word of God. I try to explain God's truth and how we should live it out. And my motives are sincere, but the fact is, there are times when I could be in error, and you need to practice some discernment to make sure that what I say is true and lines up with what has been revealed to us about God and His kingdom here in the Bible. That's the litmus test. Jesus, though, in His comments here, He's not worried about sincere people who make occasional mistakes. He's got a different kind of person in mind. He's talking about people with hidden agendas. And he describes them with a vivid metaphor. He says they're like wolves in sheep's clothing. These are men and women who outwardly look innocent and appealing, but subterranean. They're intent on destruction. And they don't care about God's people. They only care about themselves. So they will gladly mislead believers and even destroy God's church if it will further their own ends. And from time to time, such people infiltrate the community of faith. And they do so in all kinds of ways. They can be a pastor or an elder or a deacon. They can be a volunteer ministry leader or simply just a person of influence. And they are self-righteous and destructive. I've had first-hand encounters with such wolves, and so have some of you. We've had a few of them pass through Garden Way over the years. And it's easy to be taken in 
because they come across as so well-meaning, and that's why we must learn to be discerning. And to help us recognize these people and ferret them out, Jesus switches metaphors. While a spiritual wolf may look like a harmless sheep, a tree cannot hide its fruit. So Jesus says, look at the fruit of a person's life. In other words, we must look at their character. Because their character will reveal their motives. Their character will reveal which road they are on and in what direction their lives are headed. Their character can help us determine whether or not they've actually embraced the values of the kingdom of God. Values that Jesus has explained at great length here in his Sermon on the Mount. And so when Jesus talks about here, look at their fruit when he talks about good fruit coming from good trees, we don't need to guess what he means. He's already told us what he means. For example, men and women who produce good fruit are people of honesty and integrity. We will prefer humility to hypocrisy. And we will treasure people more than things. We won't look at other people with lust, viewing them as objects for our own personal gratification and pleasure, but instead we will treat them with dignity as human beings made in the image of God. When people we know mess up, we won't pass judgment on them. We will love them and support them and encourage them and help them. People who produce good fruit will hunger and thirst for righteousness more than for food and drink. We will hunger and thirst for righteousness more than for money or possessions. We will choose to believe and live out what Jesus taught us to pray. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we will hunger and thirst to help bring about the kingdom of God in this life. So that more people can be with us in the next life. This is not everything Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. But these are the kinds of things that distinguish people who speak truthfully about Jesus and who are striving to follow him sincerely. And this is what we should look for in the character of those we choose to listen to and follow. True prophets, true teachers, true Christians. Walk together along the narrow road of life. It's the road that we walk together with Jesus. And so as we learn to practice discernment, we recognize that we don't follow people because we get enthused by their charisma. We don't follow people because they promise to make us healthy and wealthy and wise. We don't follow people who reinforce our prejudices or our political preferences. We follow who, people who embrace and live out the values of the kingdom of God. following people of godly character and heading our lives in the right direction is vital to our spiritual well-being. And Jesus knows we can be vulnerable. And so here in this part of his sermon, he urges us to be thoughtful, to be vigilant, to practice some discernment. 
I've highlighted some general ways in which we can practice discernment. But I believe there's one particular area that we need to stress based on what is taking place in our culture today. Earlier in his Sermon on the Mount, we learned that people who produce good fruit choose to love our enemies, and we pray for them rather than retaliate with violence. And in an article just this past week, the Register Guard paper highlighted a young man who is doing just that, and he gives us a vivid example of what it means to be a good tree bearing good fruit. The article was about Chris Singleton, young man who plays for our local Eugene Emeralds. Chris is a follower of Jesus, and his mother, Sharonda Coleman Singleton, was a pastor, a pastor who was murdered by Dylan Roof. As we know, two years ago, Dylan Roof walked into a Bible study a study taking place at a black church in Charleston, South Carolina. And he killed nine people, including Chris's mother. And all of those people, all of those black people, were our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Roof, by his own admission, was a proud white supremacist. His journal was found by investigators and made public, and tragically, Roof views himself still today as a Christian. He grew up in church, he was baptized as a believer, and his writings and statements make it clear that he views Christianity as a religion for white people. And it's sad to admit, but he's not alone. And throughout history, many people have used the Bible and Christianity as a way to practice bigotry and discrimination against other human beings. And in our nation, part of our history is that some white Christians have used the faith given to us by Jesus as a way to keep black people in subjection. To mock them, deride them, view them with suspicion, to treat them as second-class citizens. And we need to emphatically reject all such views as directly opposed to the values of the kingdom of God. As the article in the Register Guard noted, Chris Singleton is modeling the way of Jesus. Now, of course, they didn't say that. <laughs> but we can figure it out because he's choosing to love his enemy as Jesus taught in his sermon. Chris is choosing not to give in to bitterness. In fact, he has publicly forgiven Dylan Roof. Could you do that? Could I do that? We can when we follow the way of Jesus. And Roof, meanwhile, is unrepentant. He still views himself as a man who needed to take action against blacks because others would not. And he still hopes that other whites will follow in his footsteps. He is a false apostle of white supremacy. And Jesus says here that we will recognize his followers by the fruit of their lives. The fruit of Chris Singleton's life looks pretty good to me. When it comes to responding to racial hatred, this young black man is showing us how to follow the narrow road that leads to life. 
And in contrast, the fruit of Dylan Roof's life is rotten. It's the kind of tree that Jesus says, I'm going to cut it down. Now, we may find it easy to ignore the Dylan Roofs of this world and say, people like that aren't real Christians. However, we need to be more discerning than that because far too many white people believe you can practice bigotry and still be a faithful follower of Jesus. And we have some people of color here in this church. And we need them to know. We need you to know where we stand on this issue. We do not leave you, want to leave you with any doubt. And we have talked before about the importance of embracing people here in our church family from every nation and tribe and culture. We've talked before about the evils of slavery. We've talked many times about the fact that every human being is made in the image of God and deserves to be treated with respect. And in light of some of the recent events taking place in our nation, I think we have to emphasize that we disavow the attitudes and actions of racists like Dylan Roof. And we do not believe that he or anyone who shares his beliefs faithfully represents Jesus. And having said that, we need some discernment to know how to, how to respond to the competing voices in our culture. Some proclaim the supremacy of whites. We will not follow them. Some pretend that racial injustice and racial tensions do not exist. We will not follow them. And some believe that the only way to respond to injustice is with violence. And we will not follow them. We will follow a more narrow road and we will fight against the lies of our culture with God's truth. And I believe that God's truth, when it's lived out by a community of faith that embraces the values of the kingdom of God, I believe that we can defeat the lies of Satan. And Chris Singleton, he tragically lost his mother he and so many others like him point the way to follow the narrow road that leads to life. And here's what I love. The road of life that Jesus asks us to walk may be narrow, but it is a crowded road. It's crowded with people from every nation. It's crowded with people from every ethnic group of all kinds of skin colors who speak countless languages. But we all love and want to follow Jesus. And we need to help each other walk that narrow road in this life. And then we can celebrate together with Jesus in the next life. Let's help each other practice some discernment so we can keep our lives headed in the right direction. Let's practice some discernment so that we will only follow those whose lives are, God, are full of godly character and their lives produce good fruit. Let's stay on the narrow road and follow Jesus together.